2: These five tenants reveal ways of creating a more profitable and customer-centric pharmacy. What will you discover when you climb with RMS? Welcome to Climb. I'm Brad Jones, founder and CEO here at Retail Management Solutions, and it's my pleasure to welcome you to our March Climb event. We're going to be talking about uh, remote patient monitoring today. We're really pleased to have back Uh, two people that are veterans of CLIMB uh, and industry experts. So um, I have with us today uh, Amina Abubakar and Bob Lomenick. So Amina is a pharmacist and she owns the Rx Clinic Pharmacy and is also the president of um, uh, Avant Institute, which offers clinical services, training to pharmacists, techs, and students. Uh, Amina is an industry pioneer and is responsible for standardizing many clinical service practices, including uh, our today's topic, remote patient monitoring. Now, Bob Lominick is a pharmacist and owner of the Tyson Drug Stores. Uh, many of you recognize Bob f- uh, for his work in medication synchronization. He's the industry expert in that, and he's also a champion of remote patient monitoring. Good morning, Amina. Good morning, Bob. Welcome back to CLIMB. It's great to have you back.
1: Good morning. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
2: So as I was getting prepared to talk about remote patient monitoring today, I asked a few of our customers about it, and I found that a lot of them don't know what it is. Um, So let's just start there. Tell us, uh, um, what is remote patient monitoring? What's it all about? Why don't we start? Amina, go ahead and start.
0: Sure. So remote patient monitoring is also known as remote physiological monitoring. And this is when, um, at least in the Medicare population right now, it's where you can give a patient a device and you're able to get real time data into the provider. So this is not where you can upload your results later. This is real time feedback. And so identifying patients that would be a great candidate for monitoring in between visits. And the goal is that if we catch things early, we would prevent unnecessary hospitalization, unnecessary costs, uh, and card into care. So that's in a nutshell.
1: Yeah, and just okay. to follow up, it, it, you know, most, most patients, um, to just carry it a little step further of what Amina said. Most patients they go to the primary care position um, every six months, roughly twice a year. Well, if you've got a patient that's diabetic or hypertensive patient, a lot can happen in six months, if, if not followed closely. Uh, and we can pick up trends by giving them these devices and to elaborate a little bit more, for example, if a patient's at home and they checked their blood pressure, it sends us that reading in real time, as Amina said, and we see it on a daily basis and we can monitor it. So if they, we see a trend where the patient's going in the wrong direction, we can intervene. And um, with, with these relationships we have, we actually have, um, have uh, access to the patient's electronic health record so we can communicate back to the prescriber pretty rapidly.
2: Okay, so so, with that said, can, can pharmacists just do this on their own? Can a pharmacy just decide we want to do this and set it up, or do you need to be involved with, uh, with a doctor or, or a provider?
0: So there are two ways to think about this. These are devices that are available, right? They could be patients that could benefit, that are not Medicare, and this does not stop a pharmacy, for offering blood pressure monitoring or weight management and support patients in a cash model because we are entering the world of digital health, digital therapeutics. And I think pharmacies can set themselves up Historically, pharmacists have always had patients come to the pharmacy to get blood pressure reading, right? And we give them a logbook. Now that we are able to do things digitally, I could see a pharmacy being able to use these same uh, devices and come up with a cash price. So that's where I'm I'm seeing that it's possible because, for example, we have one of our pharmacists that manages uh, lifestyle and weight loss. And so those patients a lot of times either have high blood pressure or have diabetes or are trying to lose weight. So giving them the scales and devices that communicate with her uh, has been uh, put in part of the program into weight loss. So that's kind of a Cassius King model, but then uh, I'll I'll let Bob answer on the other side. So we both get to talk together.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, certainly. uh, And and that is a great model. I mean, and and, just to, to uh, feed on that a little bit, you know, we, we, uh, I don't know, a couple of years ago, our leadership team was meeting uh, and it just hit me one day that, that, and I forgot what the topic was, but it, it dawned on me that we've got hundreds of patients coming in every, every day and getting blood pressure medications. But do we really know what's happening with their blood pressure? And it was embarrassing. I've got patients and, quite a bit older than Amina, that have been getting blood pressure medicine for me for 20 years, but we've never followed their blood pressure. That's one example, and we can do that with diabetes and so many other things. And like Amina said, even on a cash basis. But I think the original model was if you uh, can get in a relationship with a with a clinic, a lot of these services are billable billable through the clinic and correct me if I'm wrong, Mina. mean, you're the, you're the expert. So we, the pharmacies and most of us, especially in the rural areas like we are, we have good relationship with these providers and the model you, you have to present your model to where um, guy and, and we could get into more than just remote patient monitoring there. Uh, but we'll stick to that, uh, to where the physician's office can actually bill for this service. And then you, create a contract, a split of revenue. We cannot bill Medicare for that, but the clinic can bill. So we use that relationship to help that patient take care of, of those patients uh, remotely. And they can certainly bill for that service and then we we split some revenue.
0: Yes. And uh, to add to what Bobby's saying is that Medicare is looking at total spend, right? And imagine as a pharmacist how many times a patient has left their doctor's office with a new prescription or increased dose of a blood pressure, and we fill it. And who knows what happens after that? So we might wait three or six months for a patient to go back. What if all those months, the blood pressure was not under control? And also Medicare has never paid for those devices. So most of our Medicare patients have never had a blood pressure monitor at home. So sure. when Medicare opened this up and they called it the remote physiological monitoring, it was to increase access and to increase access in between visit. So Medicare has a model where it pays the what we call the QHP, a qualified health professional, the doctor, the NP, the PA, who is the primary provider for this patient but we know they are so busy, right, Bob? They barely have time to return your prior auth. They barely have time to see the patients that are waiting for them. And post COVID, these gaps have even increased further. Right. Right. So sure. we see this as an ideal partnership where a pharmacy can go right to these providers and say, I wanna be part of your clinical team and I can handle the logistics of getting these devices to the patients, I can monitor and only triage to you what, you know, warrants the provider to pay attention to. And so our team can be that clinical and guess what? We can troubleshoot. We are the ones who can send extra batteries to the patient's home because they are not monitoring anymore. So if you look at it in terms of Medicare, this is where the collaboration matters. And I feel like pharmacists provide more value than just the data of blood pressure is up, blood pressure is down, but key points to educating these patients and getting them to the desired outcomes.
1: You know, we've we've argued for for years that that we see the patient a lot more than than the prescriber, and so this this uh, this gives us a seat at the table, and we can we can help monitor that patient in between those six month visits. Like I said earlier, is we see them every month, and we have more communication with them than the prescriber. So who in a better position to monitor this?
2: Sure. Well, and, you know, when you think about something like blood pressure, I mean, that can vary dramatically in any given day, right? I mean, you could, you could get your blood pressure under control, but you, you go into the doctor and you're just nervous and your blood pressure's higher, even though it's been great the entire time or vice versa. You know, I mean, so, so, uh, Blood pressure, in particular, is something if it's being monitored every day, that gives you a much better picture than the than than you just walked into the doc, doctor's office and he's going to spend fifteen minutes with you, if you're lucky, uh, and uh, you know, and, and they look at just the blood pressure at that point in time. So that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, diabetics, I mean, A one C you can monitor, and that's what thirty days, something like that. It gives a, a, a feel of how things have been over the last thirty days. But even that, like you mentioned, if they're only going in once or twice a year, that, that, that just makes all the sense in the world. So let me ask this. So in, in either model, um, are you, is there a revenue from, do you sell these devices or are you giving the device to the patient? Or I guess it's really up to you, but what would be the typical situation?
0: So if you're dealing with Medicare, Medicare has specific guidance in that they have full codes that are available in the medical billing world. And the first code is what we call the 99453, where you're paid about 19 to $21 to just set up the device and connect it to a platform that can bring this data in. So this is whether you have a scale, a blood pressure, you could have three devices, but it's one fee to connect that patient to this cloud, right? And then after that, you can go ahead and Medicare allows per month about fifty to sixty dollars to either afford this device, afford internet for the patient. So a lot of times, these devices and the cost is not passed on to the patient. So Medicare has what we call the um, the mon- uh, the transmission code, and because some patients, we've had to pay cellular for some patients because they don't have Wi-Fi, right? So the provider has been given a budget. 56 to $61 every single month to do whatever it take to get these devices to the patient. So in our model and in the Medicare, the guidance that I've seen, no one is selling these products to the patients. And then that lastly, the f- you have the monitoring one. It's like every 20 minutes of interacting with the patient allows you to document your time and 20 minutes is about 50 to 55 dollars and every additional 20 minutes is about 40 dollars so there's a setup that if bob was looking at a patient's blood pressure and it's all whack before he calls the doctor bob is going to research did you take the pills you know what else is happening well, you had a Super Bowl party and you drank a lot, you had a lot of Doritos, like what is going on? <laughs> and that time, a lot of times pharmacists would do that normally and not get paid. So having a monitoring of ability to, to get paid uh, has been a game changer to help the population.
2: Sure. So let me ask two questions from that. First, about the device. Does the de- will the device come from the doctor or will the do- device come from the pharmacy? And then if the device comes from the pharmacy and uh, you're getting reimbursed through the doctor, is that how that's happening or?
1: Yeah, that's so we I, I don't know what Amina does, but we actually uh, set the patient up in the pharmacy. We want to make certain they're using the device properly because as Amina said, some of them have never used one at all. and she mentioned cellular service. Uh, certainly, I'm in rural Mississippi. Majority of our patients are. It is a cellular service, so we we have to get all of that uh, set up, and uh, we do that in the pharmacy and make certain the patient is actually capable and using the device properly. So, and it is built obviously again through the to the medical clinic that we have a relationship with. Okay.
2: Yep.
0: Yeah, so we do very similar to Bob, where we ho- we get the devices, and we become the uh navigators right just because pharmacies already are trained very similar to dme right so you get the devices for the patient you set it up now the in order to bill for that device code so we can make sure the provider can pay us the patient has to test or use the device 16 days in a month Right. So you have to motivate the patient to give you 16 readings. Then you're able to build a nine, nine, four, five, four. And when you get that money, it allows you to afford to, to keep these devices.
1: Right. Uh, Brad, quick example of how this happened. I just I just thought of this. Uh, today is Tuesday. Yesterday morning when I came into the office, I heard my team uh, calling one of our patients and um, pointing out that that we got some low blood pressure readings over the weekend, and he questioned that patient on uh, what was going on, as Amina said, it was anything particular that was going on, because this particular patient's, their, her, her blood pressures were extremely low, so he was able to to pick that up um, over the last several days, and and I'm not sure what action he took and what the result was, but I just overheard that conversation yesterday morning.
2: Okay, so that's a great example of, of where, where this thing works as I'm listening to both of you. uh, And I'm assuming that these people that are listening today that have never heard of remote patient monitoring or don't know much about it, this sounds hard. (laughs) Um, So tell me what is there, there must be some technology uh, that helps you um, through this or, uh, or is it, or is it difficult?
0: I think the hardest part for pharmacists is to get their collaborating provider, Mm -hmm. you know, but, uh, technology is a dime a dozen. These things are available everywhere. That's the easy part. You can get a platform, you can get devices, unlocking your partner, you know, unlocking that potential biller as a provider who wants to work with you, I think is where most of the pharmacists have struggled.
1: Well and Amina so, was was certainly the pioneer in this. And um uh, and I can remember uh on the beginning talking to her, she said that's gonna be your your biggest hurdle is getting in that first clinic. And looking back on my experience, that was exactly correct. It took us six months. But once we got in that clinic and proved our value and show uh show the the prescribers and the medical clinic how we could work together, then the next few clinics were a lot easier. Yeah. So so there's, there's, then there's some there's a multiple
2: software platforms it sounds like, multiple platforms. So when you, you get your provider signed up, um, then and you do your first patient, uh, and you get them, you're on Medicare and you get them the devices and you get them sign, uh, you get them 16 days or all those things that you have to do. Um, is that software communicating with the, with the provider? And the provider then has to do something or is it the billing? Well, you just become the, in the background.
0: provider. So you become, you the, become the, provider. the provider. So also what I tell folks is before you go and sign up for a platform, maybe that provider you're working with already has a built-in remote monitoring in their electronic medical records. That's why I say leave technology last, right? Okay. Uh, it's very similar when pharmacy was evolving into uh, patient care management not all of our dispensing systems had e-care plans right so we had to go outside and and and, and get technology that had it and now many dispense uh pharmacy management system have it so i'm seeing trends where two three years ago remote monitoring modules were not in the medical record uh, um, EHRs, electronic health records, but now we see there's a marketplace within and they can turn on that module, right, but the idea is that whether you turn that module into the physician's (laughs) electronic medical record or you have a standalone, your pharmacy team is the one that gets those alerts, that is the benefit of your partnership, provider is already overwhelmed they don't need 500 alerts every every hour.
2: <laughs> sure, well, and that I think that that was kind of where, where I was going because, you know, you said, I'm like, is this a tough sell to, to, to the uh, provider because now the provider has extra work to do. But it doesn't sound like the provider once you've signed them up. If I'm understanding this correctly, once you've convinced them to do this and you sign them up, then they don't have to deal with the billing. You're taking care of that under their uh, under their umbrella.
0: No, not the billing. So you're taking care of the service. Okay. Okay? You're taking care of the service. They have to bill it. Whether they teach you and allow you to go and adjudicate those claims within the system, because the money is going to go back to their account, and you're going to have to reconcile with them to pay you for the patients that you've monitored or you've serviced. So a, a lot of times, pharmacies use that. Uh, the billing, and billing is used loosely. Well, this patient does not belong to us. We're the clinical ec- uh, extenders for the providers, so we are contractually doing the service. They have to bill for the service. But we can make it easier and easier every day.
1: Now, I know we, we Brad, Dance, you know, to maybe help with that, We we certainly – work with the biller to make certain they're billing what we're doing correctly. And once we, I guess, and I don't know whether Mina does that, but we, we certainly monitor them for a while to make certain that our services are getting billed. And again, we have access to their records. So we'll see when that payment comes in and we'll see, uh, you know, we, we track obviously how much that, that provider owes us, if that makes sense.
2: Sure. Okay. So, it actually doesn 't sound too difficult, I mean, and I think that was when I was listening to the discussion initially, it was like, "Wow, this sounds hard it 's uh, like but,
1: anything else you know it 's a little work on the front end it 's not complicated, but once everybody understands and gets on the same page, then it flows you know you, you think about it, the patients that we 're working with they they you know unless there 's an issue." Uh, everything's going well, but we are monitoring it. So there's very, you know, and and most States have collaborative practice agreements, so we could actually make the changes ourselves and never have to bother the prescriber.
0: Yep. This is a good, uh, I feel like a good step towards pharmacy and providers coming close together and getting more delegation uh, in helping them manage these complex patients.
2: Sure. So the, and I, I imagine this has to be different because if it's multiple uh, software platforms, everyone is going to do things a little bit differently. But um, generally, I would think, t- tell me about the you know how you're monitoring. Let's say you've signed up 500 patients. I don't know if that's realistic or not, but let's uh, say you've signed up 500 patients. You obviously don't have time to l- look at 500 patients' records every single day, uh, I wouldn't think, unless you have a staff member that does that full-time. So how, how do you monitor?
0: Our technicians get up in the morning, they get into the dashboard and it's color coordinated. So it sorts with the red, yellow, green. So they won't prioritize the patients that are within the normal range. They'll definitely go through the red and they'll either call the patient to figure out the first things is like, did you take your medication before we got these numbers? If the patient says yes, then they'll retest it again. Then they'll escalate it to the pharmacist. So because this is not meant like emergency. So if we didn't see it right off the bat, we are not in right. trouble, right? It's meant for chronically monitoring the patient. But most of all these systems have a, have a system where you can just identify those that you should worry about right away.
1: Yeah, that the platform makes it easier. They, as she said, they color code, you know, obviously the red patient's. Uh, we want to act on those, you know, first. Uh, so sure. it, the the platform makes it easier, I guess, is the simplest way. Yeah.
2: So in your cases, what's been the overall impact of implementing uh, RPM?
1: Well, from the clinical side, again, you're, we're creating that relationship, and this this turns into to other relationships as well. You know, you you you're creating a bond there with those prescribers that you that you've had, uh, but now it, it, it's making that bond even stronger and they start relying on you for other information. It leads to, to other things which leads to more revenue that's not subject to DIR fees and clawbacks and uh, there's no product involved other than the, 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 the device itself once it's paid for. So it's a service. We're finally getting paid for clinical services.
0: Yep, and also what we noticed is patients who are being monitored do better. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, if that number is facing them, they are improving. Because once we get patients on these devices, it takes one or two months, and it's corrected. So uh, I think that has been a huge benefit for the practices.
1: One of my favorite sayings is anything measured improves, anything measured and reported on improves exponentially. So uh, that backs up what. I mean, it says it's amazing when you start monitoring how much better they do. Sure.
2: And I, I think that makes sense psychologically for people. You know, they know that that then it's, yeah, it, it makes total sense. So, and, and I guess that creates some loyalty, I get uh, as well with the patient who now feels better and, and also with your provider. Um, so yeah. I can see those as.
0: Especially when you have, I know we talked a lot about blood pressure, but Im- imagine someone with heart failure just 10 pound increase gets them back in shortness of breath and back in the hospital right and we're talking about readmission penalties we're talking about increasing uh cost of care for the population but when you're monitoring you're seeing that weight creep up it's so much cheaper for us to tell the provider we're going to increase their water pill you know, higher dose and get that weight down and prevent a hospitalization. So those patients are very grateful.
1: Well, you know, we're holding their hands on, on a daily basis. We're, we're in, if you just think about it, we're, we're there. Uh, as she said, monitor, when that, when that weight uh, goes up and that congestive heart failure patient goes up three or four pounds, it's not after they end up in their emergency room and, and in a critical position and, and we, we prevent that. So. Um, communication is is what we're talking about, constant communication with these patients. And I I firmly believe that communication prevents a ton of problems that non-communication causes.
2: So then with that said, um, you know, how much, how much time does this take out of the pharmacist day out the staff staff members days? What are you seeing? And, uh, and, and if you can tell me, if you can tell us what the, your ROI is on this, um, Maybe you can or can't, but let's start with, you know, what, how much time?
0: Well, Medicare has made it easy. You got to monitor for 20 minutes. That's one unit, right? So for every patient and the 20 minutes are accumulated over a month. So I can monitor today for three minutes. I can monitor next week for five minutes. So it's a 20 minute accumulated time for the first. So if you say, and if you tell a pharmacy, uh, for 20 minutes, the revenue is about 50 to $55 for monitoring. And how you split with the providers, you can make the economics, right? And you don't always have to use a pharmacist for every step of the way. So our technicians are doing more in the monitoring as well and only escalating. So I think Medicare has already given us a guidance. 20 minutes is the first unit.
2: And so that was 15- That was $50, $50, right?
0: Correct. But that $50, now you have to negotiate your fees with the
1: provider. Sure. You have to to create that revenue split with with the provider. And, uh, you know, uh, one of my sales pitches, and I might have learned this from Amina, is you go to that physician, and say, how would you like to have a, a pharmacist on your staff at no charge to you, you know? and make
0: you some money yeah. <laughs> give you yeah. value and bring us some net back and it's yeah. a, no headache to you not your employee you know i think i would sure. all sign up for that
1: <laughs> yeah so you're you're providing a service for them they're getting revenue and they're not they're not having to do anything almost sure. almost
2: so what i mean is what and i know this has to vary because obviously different you're negotiating a separate deal every single with every provider but but, uh, you know, what, what, what do you think is so reasonable and what have you found to be reasonable with the providers you're doing business with?
0: I think the more value you bring, you probably could live with a lot of money. So if you're if you just say you are just a monitoring company, well, that that's what the technology is. But it's the pharmacy knowledge behind medication management, you know, and getting those patients to outcomes and goals is the value. So with that, I feel like you don't go wrong, even whether it's 80, 20, 60, 40. And most of these services, like Bob, I know Bob doesn't just offer remote monitoring. So this becomes an add-on to services that we're already offering to the practices.
1: Right. So what we generally do on the front end, because it's it's new to some of these prescribers, providers, and we're kind of, interfering with their clinic on the front end until we train that bill or until we make the staff understand what's going on. So, and I don't know what I mean to this, but what I generally do is go in or originally with a 60 40 split where the clinic gets a little more on the front end. And then after three months, we drop it down to 80, 20 or 75, 25, whatever we can negotiate, uh, to, to, to our favor. Sure. Cause we are the ones that they're not doing the work. We are doing the work and, uh, We really haven't had any pushback. One or two clinics pushed back a little bit, thought we were a little bit high and they didn't use us at first. And then after three or four months, they had done nothing and they came back to us and said, okay, 20% is better than nothing, you know? So, and then then after we get on board, they see our value and, and they realize it is a bargain.
0: And now it's hard to find any practice that is not being measured for their outcomes. So we had a practice that was doing remote monitoring in-house. They were having the revenue, but when they got their scores for one of their contracts, they had X number percent of patients, blood pressure not at goal. And I said, well, so what are they doing when they're monitoring? He said, Amina, I know what you wanna tell me. I told you so. I said, no, I'm just curious, (laughs) like, you know? (laughs) you know but i told him just looking at the platform that's not the solution so they switched over to us because they needed to meet those goals mm-hmm. patients were not at do- optimal doses there were drug interactions there was non-adherence so he quickly said i get the value the pharmacy brings
2: yeah sure and 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 i had i have a couple of lines of questioning here but that made me think right off the bat there is there a time limit will medicare say or you know will they say we aren't paying anymore, we haven't seen any improvement for six, in the last six months or the last 12 months or whatever. When will they cut, cut you off?
0: Thank you for-, for asking that question. And this is why I believe pharmacists are a key to this. Okay? Technology that just monitors and does nothing is increasing cost of care. So if you're a practice with 500 patients making this kind of money, and still your patients are ending in the hospitals, the ERs, and still costing, Medicare will find no value to this program, right? So that's why when you're a more pharmacy-driven service and use the technology of choice rather than a technology-led service that does not have the clinicians backing this up.
1: Well, I think it's like anything you want to, obviously, your, your goal is to have positive outcomes, and if you're just monitoring and not not doing something about it, then it, it is a waste of money. So uh, we want to we want to prove and, and and certainly report those positive outcomes.
2: And is there a time limit or is there, you know, or is I, I or does it just vary as to what the when Medicare will say? OK, enough's enough snuff.
1: The good
0: news, Medicare is increasing revenue in these services. And it's adding additional code times that if, even if you go above 20 minutes, he has an additional 40 to $45 for every additional 20 minutes. So definitely Medicare sees this and COVID may just have helped it.
1: I think that just proves the value when, when they do something like that. Certainly. Okay. So,
2: you know, Amina, you mentioned that uh, Bob does other things and I'm sure you do too. Um, I guess I have two two questions that are related first is you know uh, what other what are those other services and then uh, do you find that starting one before you start the other is is important so in other words maybe remote patient monitoring is the first thing you do and then you are doing this clinical service and this clinical service or is there a clinical service that you should do before you're doing remote patient monitoring
0: so all these remote patient monitoring, chronic ma- care management, uh, behavioral health integration, they all fall under non-face-to-face monitoring of patients between visits, right? You don't need to be at the doctor's office. You can do it from your pharmacy. You can do it from home. So remote monitoring is a newest one of these codes. You know, we've always been doing whether it's annual wellness visit. It's been a buildup on beyond office visits, what we can do with patients and what they call population health management. So if I think remote patient monitoring may be the easiest, Bob, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it might be the easiest, and there's something that hooks a patient.
1: Well, it, I guess the easiest is, is it probably a good way to describe it, but right as you were saying, there's so many other things that, that once we get the patient Hook. There's so many other things, and, and we're working on them now. Now that COVID is over, and we can certainly go back to classroom settings. Uh, um, these patients that we have a relationship with, they they a lot of them are diabetics, and so we, we do do BSME uh, diabetic um, education for our patients. So rolling these patients in are, are a lot easier uh, now that we have a relationship with not only the patient but with the prescriber as well. Um, You know, obviously, pharmacy is migrating uh, rapidly toward a more clinical services model. Um, And I know we're close to the pharmacy school, and I have students through here all the time. I think we're going to push to having over 50 students come through my pharmacy this year. And these students are sharp. Their clinical knowledge is, is unbelievable. And putting them in a setting, a practice to where they can use that knowledge, whether it's RPM or CCM or annual wellness visits, whatever you want to do with them, it's wide open because we are building these relationships.
2: Okay. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's great news. Um, so, um, and, and you wouldn't say that there's one that you should do before the other, or, or would you say this is the easiest? So do it first.
0: I think it's about what the practice needs, right? And you have to be open and flexible. For example, I went to a practice and I was talking about these services and they said, you know what? Our ACO wants us to have an annual wellness visit completion rate of 80%. Can you help me there first? So while we, it's not about us, it's about our collaborator and what they need and find valuable at this time. And then we can always add on to those other services.
1: I think that's a great point. You got to find out what their pain points are and see how we can work with them to, to help them resolve their pain points.
2: Okay. Um, So, you know, I was going to ask if, if there, is there an ideal pharmacy business model um, where uh, RPM works best, but, uh, and I think you've, you've kind of answered that. Do you, can you expand on it at all?
1: Well, again, uh, you've got to have obviously a clinical services model in place. That's, that's, the first place to start, which a lot of pharmacies do not. Uh, they're not thinking clinically. They're still in that uh, reactive business model of just filling as many prescriptions as quickly as they can and getting the patients out the door and never really having a conversation. Well, that's that's an old broken model. And, and getting involved clinically with the patients um, is certainly your, your first step, whether it's just monitoring their blood pressure, offering a co- uh, Uh, to check it in the store or blood sugars talking to them and and getting more involved, which opens up, you know, more and more conversations you can have. Uh, So.
0: Yep. The business exists because uh, we have entered value-based medicine, value-based contracting, and in order to provide value uh, to the health system, One provider cannot do it alone. So I think pharmacists are poised with the accessibility, the knowledge, just the patient, multiple patient interaction. And, you know, all this is evolving. I would hate for pharmacists not to make themselves a product that can be sought out for these ACOs, for these doctors who are are getting penalized because they are not getting their patients at goal yet here we are we have them in our database we fill their prescriptions we deliver to their home there is no other healthcare provider that has this much access and insight to patients than pharmacy so i would love for us to capture that and that's why the whole mission about cpsn aggregating ourselves together becomes so crucial that pharmacy have to lead the way into the services, or a new profession will be born called population health care (laughs) coordinators, take these codes, do them, and we've been there all along.
1: That's correct. And you know, I I hear pharmacists all over the nation saying, well, that won't work in my area. Folks, I'm in rural Mississippi. My town has a population of 8,000 people, and we're in five clinics in this area. I mean, it could be done anywhere. You just, pharmacists have got to realize that we are on the forefront and we've got to act. And uh, a lot of us have through CPSN. and but, I mean, I mentioned that. That's a, that's a great movement and um, it's got legs. So let's, uh, the,
2: those that haven't done it yet, um, you know, what? how do they get started? What would you tell them to do first?
0: First thing, they need to know that while it sounds simple, you do have to do work. So when people go through these trainings or they watch a webinar and they fail, they feel like this is it. I'm never going to do it again. Right. Mm. It requires relationship building. It requires speaking a new language because when you go to market to a provider you got to know what their pressure points are so those are important i wanted to make sure because i know so many oh i tried and it failed we failed many times before it worked
1: Mm -hmm.
0: you know and it's important to know that so while it could sound simple you have to do a lot of work to make it to to make it work there are many resources i know i'll be helping uh cpsn write playbooks so we can get cpsn membership you know, to to get this information out there, because survival of everyone is survival of us. Uh, there are uh, many ways. Uh, we have Avant Institute. We have free webinars that people can look at. You can reach out to people who are doing it, go visit Bob while he's doing MetSync, look at what he's doing the rest. So resources are out there. Just don't bother Bob. You gotta make sure you take him out to dinner first. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's a prerequisite. He's very busy. <laughs> are
2: there are there entities that will help with this? I mean, I think I read about a, a few companies out there that you you kind of Uh, establish the relationship with the doctor, but then they'll reach out and talk them through the whole process of getting this thing set up.
1: Well, yeah, they've got to be trained. And Amina mentioned, you know, Avon Institute, which is her model and reaching out to CPSN and getting, you know, just finding out where, where can I go? You know, they can certainly point you in the right direction or, or just visit your associations or NCPA and say, who's doing this? What can I have, where can I learn? You know, you can't just sit back and say, well, nobody's teaching this or nobody's coming to me. Sure. I mean, you've got to reach out to someone and be proactive. Uh, and it's out there, you know. And have and just- the
0: confidence, honestly, to pitch it yourself. Yeah. Okay. Heart to heart, provider to provider, I know what you were saying, some companies will be the gatekeeper and go in. A lot of our providers are tired of being sold things and everyone is trying to sell them things, but I don't think a pharmacist is really in that group because we have something that's very valuable they need. So the more you learn to speak the language, the more you are confident of what you can offer, those transactions go a lot easier.
2: Yeah, sure. I mean, that all drives to your credibility as well. Um, and beings that independent pharmacists are highly, you know, one of the most uh, highly rated professions, usually in the top three every single year, right? Using that, uh, using that, um, it really does give you the credibility to, to talk to the provider. And I see what you're saying about using somebody outside. You're the one with the relationship, have the confidence, have the learn. confidence
0: so, and it's time to move from, I always say this, all those providers who like you, call you, text you, it's time to move from friend zone to business. They can on. help you unlock a lot of financial potential, but you need to show them how.
1: That'd be a win-win proposition, obviously. Sure.
2: Well, listen, do I, I'm, we're probably need to wrap up here. Do either of you have any parting comments? I just did mine. No more friend
0: okay. zone. We've been helping them for a long time. They have tons of population healthcare codes that they can unlock and you can do them. So go for it.
1: And certainly if anybody wants information, they can reach out to me. Uh it requires dinner, of course. <laughs> <I'll>... <laughs> no, I'm happy to help point them in the right direction. And you know, I want us all to succeed. As Amina touched on that. You know, this profession is is. It's about helping each other out. And, and I know years ago, certainly us independents, maybe we were at, at odds with each other. But, you know, I have my neighbors down the road here that independent pharmacies that I want to see them succeed, you know, and, and I will do everything. And I mean, it's the same way to help them succeed. And because I, I always learn something from them when I when I work with uh, other pharmacies, I always pick up some information.
2: Absolutely. We're all in this together. And that's what we're trying to do here too at RMS. So, well, listen, Amina, Bob, I really appreciate you coming back and joining us again here at Climb. And uh, it's been great. I think we had, uh, there's so much great information in what we just discussed. So really do appreciate your time.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.